The series sponsored by Giant Leap tackles many of the issues we are facing in the world of work at present and how we can make work and work life better for leaders and employees. Work has changed drastically in the past few months. A tiny virus has got us all questioning how we work and how we should be working. We have proven that we can work without an office. In fact, pretty much anywhere. Employees have been given a choice about where to work. But what we have also learned is that what we want isn't always the right thing for us. It has us all begging the question, what should we do with an office? And do we need an office? What does an office represent? Linda Trim, Director at Giant Leap Workspace Specialists, chats to some of our top industry leaders and professionals on their thoughts around work and what the future of the office holds. The saying goes, effective workforce, effective workplace. Throughout the series, we tap into the minds of great leaders and professionals to explore the question that has everyone talking. Where is the office? Tapping into the minds of great leaders and professionals, we get to explore the question on everyone's lips. Where are we with work and the office? We have gone from being accustomed to having to go to an office to being forced to be at home. What will the future hold, and is either proposition better than the other? Today we get to discuss where is the office likely to go in the future, and does it have an impact on the pertinent topic, youth employment? This is Linda Trim of Giant Leap, who will be speaking with Mariana Skander, the CEO of Harambi Youth Employment Accelerator. Mariana, I'm really excited to chat with you today, firstly because of who you are and what Harambi stands for but also because of the work you have previously done and having heard that you are one of the most progressive thinkers on all levels. For those of you who don't know, Harambi aims to build African solutions to tackle the global challenge of youth unemployment. It partners with governments, businesses, young people, and many others who are committed to delivering results that can work at scale. Prior to Harambi, Mariana led Planned Parenthood in America and my best of all is the opinion piece you write for Daily Maverick on a regular basis, which is really my place for getting up to speed with life in South Africa. Mariana, you have a huge role to play in South Africa and that you really help people find jobs and particularly the youth. So it would be great to hear from you your thoughts on how people enter the workforce or how new companies begin without coming to an office. And, and is this even possible? Well, thanks first of all, for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you about Arumbi and these topics. In listening to you, I reflected on, you know, the big buzzword um, is about the future of work. And the truth is the future of work is so transforming that where we do it <laughs> will also be very transforming. And I think that what we've seen accelerated by the pandemic, but definitely not created by it, is that work is more than just a physical space. Work is where communities are, work is where ideas are sparked, work is where people connect and align to each other. And in many ways, I think maybe what the pandemic has done is accelerate and push us to think very differently about the modalities of work and how they get done and the physical spaces almost being just one, one part or piece of that. It's really interesting what you say, especially since Harambi are planning an office move for 2021. So has COVID or these lines of thinking transformed your route to your new office for next year or not? In some ways, yes. I mean, those um, 
listeners who may have had any uh, opportunity to visit Harambee, we are a national organization with locations in many cities and many provinces. Um, we'll know we have no offices, so none of our people sit in actual uh, enclosed offices. It's um, pretty much as open plan as a place can be, and I think that is generated by a belief that one, transparency in the workplace has all kinds of forms, and Anybody at Arumbi knows who I'm meeting with all day, every day, and I think that that just lends itself to uh, authenticity and leadership and understanding what's needed. I also think realistically, um, if people need a quiet place to work and concentrate, we've certainly seen in the last year, you can do that in lots of places. And what office space needs to be used for is community and collaboration. And so in uh, many ways, our new move will take some of the things that have been true in our current uh, office we basically just have open tables. That's Those are the meeting rooms. That's where people sit. I do think that um, the pandemic has forced us to think much more creatively about safety, about distancing, about what it's going to look like um, for people to continue to collaborate, but just stay safe. I think you highlight a very big point of well-being in the office. It's really forced anybody to think about, about that and how people work. So, I mean, you said something very interesting. Most of your people are open plan, and that's probably been one of the biggest topics around the future of, of work. If we open plan, how do we bring people back? Can we bring people back? And um, you mentioned earlier, you're bringing people back in shifts, um, but looking to have everyone back in the office in the, the future. So would, would your people work in the office five days a week or what, what are your thoughts going forward? I think the goal is to, in some ways, allow people um, the space to do the work they need to do. So some of our people spend most of their day externally meeting other partners. They probably won't come back to the office all day, every day, but be able to go back to what was needed. For some of our people, including we have a contact center that is does just amazing work, um, being in touch and speaking to literally thousands of young South Africans every day, those, uh, those staff members have been back every day, all day, and that absolutely will continue. So I think like most things at Arumbi, the idea is not to sort of have a single rule for everybody, but to be smart about what the work is, what's needed, what's needed to enable it, and um, allow people to just work their best by being enabled to be their best. What you say about having no rules, I think really highlights probably why you're so progressive and quick at, at Well, let's <laughs> we have lots of guidelines yeah. and very few rules. So I think that um, that has been a really important part of our culture. And, you know, for me, that comes from extremely, I think I've said this to you before, extremely progressive finance people, because I think sometimes lots of institutional and organizational rules stem from a very legitimate worry about governance and risk and management and I think trying to really just say what are the guidelines that keep us from having rules that are hard to enforce because they don't make any sense and yet enable the work that needs to be done for the highest possible impact and I think that has been the mantra that's really led us in everything our space our culture our work our partnerships it's an incredible mantra because I think what's really kept us going is flexibility being able to change at any split second and you know even for the office to be built in a flexible way where people can pick and choose the spaces for the task at, at hand has provided people a lot of a lot of opportunities so what's was very interesting you know in reading even some of your opinion pieces around youth employment is has this pandemic and people leaving the office had an effect on the, the number of jobs created or how do we employ people get people back to work 
I mean, there's just no doubt that the pandemic has wreaked economic havoc on our country. So, I mean, there's just no way to overstate the devastation, I think, that has been caused in the lives of millions and millions of people. I mean, we estimated 3 million job losses between April and July. I think optimistic projections are that our kind of growth levels will come back to pre-COVID levels only in 2023 or 2024. Wow. So I think that the the magnitude of what's been um, lost is is significant. I think having said that, we have learned a few things in the pandemic that are maybe counterintuitive to your listeners. So the first is that one of the real challenges in South Africa is that our cost of data, by that I mean mobile data, you know, using on your phone or others, is amongst the highest in the world. And you just cannot have a virtual w way of working and a remote world without understanding that as like literally probably the most significant challenge for young people in their work seeking. And so young people who are, you know, on job seeking in the middle of the night because that's the only time they can afford data and not sleeping and not having the, the appropriate kind of mental health of normal patterns of working, young people who literally walk for kilometers to drop off paper CVs because they don't have any data to be able to submit an online application. And so these data constraints, I think we have tried to just always highlight in every engagement we have with our partners. We've tried to do our bit. So we have um, reverse billing on our Harambee Mobi sites, um, including uh, sayouth.mobi, which is the work we do um, in coordination with government and the private sector. That means that young people who use that Mobi site don't pay, and we pay the costs of the data on their behalf. We've also set up an 0800 toll-free line for our contact center so that young people can call for free um, and get support and enablement. So we're doing our bit, but I think if we don't really understand this data challenge, it's sort of... Um, to be honest, it's very inauthentic to say we want young people to work in digital ways and work in virtual ways if we don't make the costs of data, I think, really accessible and affordable, especially compared to many other African countries on the continent. And I think this pandemic and the way of work has forced us into a much more digital world. Even if people come back to the office on a full-time basis, people will certainly travel less for meetings. Um, we won't have as much domestic or international travel. We've, we've learned certain things can be done on Zoom, despite the fact that many people have Zoom fatigue. But certainly it does play a very prominent role going, going forward. And, you know, the one thing I often think with the work that Harambi and yourself, you know, do, you're talent scouters. You're looking for the hottest talent all the, the time and trying to help so many people. So, I mean, prior to COVID, did you actually meet a lot of these individuals to assess who they were and their nonverbal communication and emotions and has this changed your way going forward? So certainly the um, pandemic has changed our ways of work like every other organization. We have over the course of almost um, 10 years and with many, many partnerships um, supported over a million young people. And I think that for me, the big change is that the young people are not actually the problem. They're the solution. Giant Leap are the leaders in workspace and creating working solutions that add value to employees. They offer expert advice on how people should be working, how often they should be coming to the office, and what settings we need going forward. What is the future of the office, and is one proposition better than another? The problem 
is that we need to actually help government and business change so that these young people can have access points into the economy. And so even though undoubtedly some young people need some help with something, my view is that training young people is almost never the biggest problem. The biggest problem is usually something else that involves either helping a business think differently about their requirements and who they bring in and why they bring people in, helping government partners think differently about all kinds of things that they have to solve for. And so in some ways I'm optimistic because I actually think that solving these problems in a big way isn't about the millions and millions of unemployed young people. It's about a bunch of businesses, a bunch of government partners getting in a room together and understanding that they are the ones that hold the power to make these systems work better. And if we can get them to change just a few things, actually millions of young people, I think, will have access to opportunities um, that weren't there before. So it's, I'm optimistic about that, only in okay. the sense that it's a slightly no, a smaller number of people to have to try to persuade to change. Well, that's great to hear because the youth are the future of our they are. country if we want to transform where we are. So that's really uh, they are. Um, they are the solution. They are not the, the problem. people that we've, we've got to work with. And that's why this returning to work and where is work is so ex exciting because there's so many different people to look at. And you know, some of the older generations are more stuck. The younger people have got such a different view and such a different outlook. So it's been interesting to hear their experience. Do they want to stay at home? Do they want to get back to, to work? And what we're trying, or starting to find more and more is people are saying it's been enough at home. We've done... I think nearly nine, ten months at home, we actually need a place to, to come. And you once said to me, space is culture. Well, yeah. I mean, my experience, I don't know um, about you, but just in talking to people from every walk of life, people are craving connection now. I think that it's, it's less about am I going to an office for work, but am I gathering and connecting with other people in a way that is feeding something that has felt like it's been missing, obviously, since the lockdown. And I think that outdoor spaces are becoming workplaces. I think that creative use of, you know, people's homes are becoming, you know, ways of gathering the human connection that I think people are missing, no matter who they are, how old they are, what level they are. And that's, for me, I think, the real opportunity. I did say to you that... Um, space is the biggest signal of culture that, you know, when people come into a space, it says something about an organization, it says something about how they work, it says something about what they value. And I think that there's just real opportunity to take that into other spaces. If I think about young people who, you know, are likely never to find their way into a corporate job, their work is going to be in communities. And how does that become an office space? And how does that become a way of, of, doing things that are valued and that can earn an income and that can be understood. And I do think that if we don't change what are probably old-fashioned ideas, like I have to come into a CBD and into an office, I think we're going to be in big trouble because there's going to be so little of that to offer young people and older people. And I think it's more about giving people the dignity and recognition that what they do matters wherever they do it. And again, that's kind of an exciting problem to solve, and there's so much like space for innovation and new thinking there. So I'm excited about it. It is something really exciting, and we did a, a previous podcast with Mark Barnes, who was, you know, at the post office. Yeah. And he also spoke about it when you meet people who have never ever had that opportunity to connect or feel dignified or respected or the ideas heard, and how it actually changes people to to get that. And you know, that's the one thing 
which we or we certainly have battled with working at, at home because you can't get that same recognition than when you bring your peers and community around you. But I do love what you say about the community because I think it's also made us realize we maybe don't have to have massive head offices. We can have one central office and more suburban spoke offices or places in communities for people to, to work. So, Marianne, I think what I'd love to hear from you is, you know, has COVID given companies or people different ways of creating jobs? For instance, call centers. Can, can people do that at home? Um, so we've seen that some industries have um, been able to withstand. I mean, I think everybody was impacted, certainly in the hard lockdown, and it's been a story of how to recover. And, you know, this idea of build back better, don't just go back to what was there before. And there's two examples that I think really speak to innovation and maybe the opportunity to leapfrog what was there. The first is absolutely can we bring work closer to home? And I would say in the global business services industry where we as Harambi do a huge amount of work, our partners um, in BAPESA, which is Business Process Enabling South Africa, and I think what they saw is all these companies who had said before, it's just not possible to enable call center agents from home. It's just not possible to do all these things. Well, I mean, guess what? It had to be possible because that was and the way happened. that the, it's happened. We're involved at the moment uh, in an exciting project with the Gauteng Provincial Government and the Presidency, Amazon Web Services, um, the Development Bank of South Africa, to really explore this idea of can you set up township-based contact center offices, so hubs where people can come, so maybe not necessarily in their home. And I think that's an example of something that's been talked about forever and now is the moment to it's make it happen. It just has to be done. And the second thing which you talk about is the digital space. I think that, I mean, our, our kind of experience there is there's no shortage of training material on digital skills. The problem is if it's not connected to an actual job at the end of the training, there's only so much training we can do when there's nothing kind of waiting at the end. So we took a different approach, which was to engage a lot of the large cloud providers, so Microsoft, Amazon, Google, the others, to try to understand because in many respects, they have huge numbers of businesses in their supply chains that use their products. And to try to understand at a very granular level, what are the certifications in those cloud providers stacks that if you get it, there absolutely is a job waiting at the end. And so instead of a generic go get your digital skills improved, we can say if you get this specific certification from Amazon, there are jobs waiting at the other end of that certification. And I think that for me is where the digital conversation has to get very pragmatic and very specific so that we are giving young people aligned to a job and structure and not aligned to more training that nobody is clear what's kind of waiting at the end. I think what you say is so true because you know I think what we've learned is people do need structure and an end goal and sitting at home in our pajamas isn't healthy for, for anyone where if you know you've got something to achieve and a result at the end of the day, what, what more could a person ask for? Yeah. So and that's really what makes us all the same, to be honest, even in, in, in a world in which it feels like, we're, you know, maybe we all feel so different from each other. The basic human need to belong and the basic human need to know that I'm working towards something where my achievements will be recognized, where there will be a, like a possibility of success 
it's not that hard, which is no. why it's like basically, trying say, it's trying to get that stuff. I know, but getting that stuff embedded in institutional and organizational culture, as you know, is not not uh, it's easier said than done. So then, you know, speaking of that, if everyone had to stay home and never go into an office or a community, would you be able to build that that up, or have you actually got to almost set the bird free and let it into an office? Yeah, too? I think I think we're seeing that. My view is you're right. Travel will definitely decrease. We will absolutely continue, I think, in some spaces to work virtually. But I do think that we have reached the limits of understanding what kind of work can be done in these remote channels and that people are now saying what requires human connection in person, office spaces, office environments, again, whether they're in communities or in traditional kind of um, office blocks. So I think a lot of that's coming back. The one thing we have learned as Harambi, which has been, I think, a tradition that was born out of the pandemic but will absolutely stay with us um, in the new year, is we uh, we have about a, a team of about 500 people, and we started a daily call every morning, 8 to 9, for all 500 people wow. every single day. At the beginning, it was very focused on sharing information about COVID and just making sure people understood what was happening. But when you talk about this need to pivot immediately, you can do that if 500 people are on the call every day together. It's like, this is what's coming tomorrow. Everybody's going to have to go right, not go left. And then it happens. And so I think that these spaces of alignment as much as connection are very powerful and it's an audio call there's no video it's not fancy it's just a chance to hear voices know what's coming know where we're going and be able to shift and pivot a huge number of people on a pretty immediate basis and make you get out of bed for an 8 a.m it has been that for so many people it has been that for so many people exactly and to get the day started not feeling alone even though everybody's sitting in their home yeah which I think has been probably the hardest thing we've experienced for people that, that haven't come to the office because being an introvert or an extrovert, everyone loves that chat or catch up at the coffee Absolutely. machine with, with someone that you wouldn't ordinarily meet with. Yeah. So we'll bring some of that back now. Oh, that'll be lovely. I mean, one of my biggest things with any hard times is it always brings out a positive thing or a new take. So it's been so interesting to chat with you today and to hear how organizations can actually uplift in the hardest of of times and how we can possibly create jobs and more areas for people to work in cheaper manners through this, which I think will be incredible for the youth employment of South Africa going forward. Well, if there's anything this year has demonstrated, it is that human resilience has no limit. And so if we can tap into that, it makes us makes me feel uh, optimistic that even though our problems seem so intractable and so massive, actually, I think that there is reason for hope. But I think one of the biggest reasons that gives me hope, and we've you know, worked with you quite a lot throughout the year, is that you've never stopped thinking. No one stopped to slow down, to say, you know, we've got a pandemic, we're not, we can't go back to the office, so we're going to stop working. You've continued the whole way. You've got a vision for your office for 2021, how you're going to get your people back and how you keep them going. So you guys have been a huge example to us and everybody else around you. Well, thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Thanks, Marana. Lovely to chat with you, and we look forward to chatting further. We at Giant Leap believe working well is good business. If you treat people well, you bring out the best in them. Giant Leap believes a workspace designed to enable everybody to work well can bring out the very best in each individual and demonstrate how passionate a company is about caring for its people.